Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Jesse the Planet is here. Thank you for tuning in to the broadcast. We have a sermon. It's part one, part two, and part three. How to be ahead of the curve. See, life throws you curveballs, but how do you stay ahead of it? Are you ready to see your vision come to pass? God has given every person on this planet a vision. Now, will it come to pass? And I'm going to tell you something, life will throw curves at you, trying to get you off your vision, but God's word is true. Call a friend, tell him to turn that television on, get a pencil and paper. I want you to take some notes on this. This is just part one, how to be ahead of the curve, spiritually, physically, financially, whatever life throws at you, whatever the devil says, it don't make any difference. What he says it makes all the difference what God says. Part one of how to be ahead of the curve. Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 41. As you're turning to the book of Genesis chapter 41, I was a good baseball player when I was a kid because you didn't have to be big. Now I made every football team I ever went out for because they needed a squad they could beat up on, <laughs> which happened to be me. We would hold the bags and these big guys would come in and just bust us in the head, knock us down to get those good football players in shape and keep them going, you know what I'm saying? But when it came to baseball, that's a whole new, that's a whole different thing because you didn't have to be real big. I could hit and got trophies to prove it. I was a left fielder. And uh, <laughs> I enjoy baseball even still today. At that time, it was America's number one sport. I saw Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle. Going, if you remember, boy, I was so excited. I just I'd come out, come out my shoes, going for Babe Ruth's title. Woo, I never forget that long as I ever lived. And it's just amazing. And I've seen all these other guys, but you know, they were on drugs and steroids, and and them people like Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth, they'd get drunk all night long, come to the ballpark and knock a ball out to the them boys were some athletes. And uh, so one of my great heroes was Babe Ruth. And I'm, I'm, I'm opening up this way, and I'm, we were playing Bell Chicks, which is down the road going toward Venice. Uh, what's that, Highway 23? I think it is. And my coach come up to me. He called me Little Jesse. Little Jesse, we don't want to be here long. I, what you think? You a hitter today? I said, I'm a hitter today. He said, you been watching that picture? I said, I got him. I've seen everything he can throw. I studied him. I watched him. He said, uh, then you don't have to take a pitch. You ever notice most of the time? And it, boom, you take a pitch. You're sizing up that pitcher, what he's going to do. He said, you don't have to take a pitch. I said, okay. He said, you think you can do it? I said, I can do it, coach. He said, okay. And uh, when it came time for my bat, and I, and I bat cleanup at that time, and um, not bragging, but I'm bragging. <laughs> this is a little league, I'm a little boy. And I, I was in that box, and I backed out of that box, and I pointed toward the center field fence. <laughs> Just like that, because I saw Babe Root in the movie do it. Remember William Bendix, he, the first one? <laughs> I saw the coach, oh God, I hope he don't get too cocky. And I hollered at that pitch. I said, I got you. You mine. <laughs> I hit four home runs in that game. That day, that ball went over the center field fence. 
And I didn't know because I thought that's the way Babe Ruth and all of them ran back then. But that was the, t that was the tape. You know how they run like this. And instead of just running around the bay, I, did. I wanted to be Babe Ruth. That's a true story. Boy, they were screaming. Four times at bat, four home runs. That was my big day. Gave me a trophy. I remember I said, Dad, what do you think about my trophy? He looked at it and went, throw it. Get a job, boy. <laughs> okay, Dad. Kathy found that trophy. It was in our attic for years and years, stuck in some boxes. She said, so I got it in my, um, um, my study now. I said, look at that. You know, you revert back. Because it was a dream that I wanted to be a base because I didn't have to be big. I had a good arm I could throw. I could catch and I could hit. And that's all I needed in that day and time, you know. And uh, when I got into high school, I could hit that ball. But I knew that, uh, that my mom and dad, they wouldn't allow me to do that. I had to get a job and work. And, you know, so I had to quit playing baseball. So... I could pay rent. I paid rent at my house. My dad said, I'm going to make a man out of you. It's going to cost you $10 a week, $40 a month. Not back that's not 1961, 661, I was in a little, in a little league, and he said, I'll buy you no more clothes, shoes, socks, nothing, boy. And you're going to pay rent. So I've been working 52 hours a week since from 11 years old, and I'm 72. He made a man out of me. And, and took the money too. <laughs> Me and my oldest brother. Yeah. And I, so that was the end, more or less, of my baseball career up to about like a senior in high school, you know, that kind of stuff. Because I knew I just could not. He said, son, you got to work. And so I did, you know. And I've always wondered about that kind of stuff. And I want to talk today about how to be ahead of the curve. Because vision if it's not ahead of the curve, the curve will consume it. How to be ahead of the curve, I'm going to preach this tonight. Then tomorrow morning, I'm going to preach how to, how to hit a curve. And then tomorrow night, I'm going to preach how to straighten out a curve. Because when you understand this powerful thing called vision, because you are encapsulated in the vision of God. We're going to Genesis chapter 41. And watch this. God always uses, most of the time, some big unbeliever to get something done because believers won't do what he says. They question it so much. And in Genesis chapter 41, I want to read verse 1 first. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed and behold, he stood by the river. And in this dream, you'll read all it. We'll come up to verse 15. He has a dream. Well, why, why didn't he give it to Jacob? Why didn't he give it to the family? Question it too much. Here's an unbeliever. Why would God use Caesar to get Jesus to Bethlehem? Augustus Caesar. The unconscious obedience of an unbeliever. They don't even realize what they're doing, but they're obeying God. And you, if you read verses 1 all the way down to 15, you'll find out that Joseph has been thrown in jail. 
And his butler tells Pharaoh, you know, when you threw me in jail, there was this Hebrew guy. And we had dreams. Remember that baker guy? You hung him. And he told us about the dream. And you restored me. But you hung the baker. And this Hebrew uh, said it exactly the way you did it. Now, he'd been in jail 20 years. You see, if you go to jail, God goes to jail. He ain't getting out of jail till you get out of jail. Because he never leave you or forsake you. Now, this dream had an important bearing on the history of the world. Because without that dream, this would not exist. Called the church. All tied into something here. Pharaoh's troubled in his spirit, even though it's a dead spirit. Verse 15. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed the dream, and there's none that can interpret it. And I've heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. Notice what Joseph says. Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So they start talking about it. Go to verse 28. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Now, this is a convict, according to them, a slave, a prisoner, talking to the highest man in that day. And he interprets that dream. He said, you had two, but it's really actually one. He doesn't try to push himself he understands the power of Pharaoh. He's humble. He said, you pick some people, and if you'll do this, you'll get through all this. Verse 38, Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this is a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Is that what people are saying when you talk to them about your vision? This man, this woman, has the Spirit of God in them. Pharaoh couldn't understand anything. Joseph is ahead of the curve. He knows exactly what to do, when to do it, where to do it, and how to do it. Yeah, but he's a slave. Yeah, that ain't got anything to do with it. Your position where you are has nothing to do with what God has called you to do concerning your vision. Because he's opened up doors you never thought he would open. Verse 46. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh. So he don't care if you're young, middle-aged, or old. He doesn't look at numbers like we do. God in his word said, let no man despise thy youth. Paul told that to Timothy. It has nothing to do with how young you are. When that word was going forth to our good friend right there, I had his son on the side of him. <clears throat> See, God is just as important about his son as he is the father. The number means nothing to God. The vision does. And I've said this at the very first visionary conference. If you're not talking about your vision, your vision is talking about you. People, a lot of times, can see what you're supposed to do, but you won't do nothing. Now, why couldn't he give that dream to Jacob? Because he wouldn't have done anything with it. 
And Jacob was the head of the Israeli family at that time. But Pharaoh had enough sense to listen. He saw something in that boy. The Spirit of God's in that boy. So he puts him ahead of everybody except himself. I want to talk about that. How to be ahead of the curve. Now, I have been preaching 45 years and I've never had a financial deficit. Why? Because I'm smarter or because I got, I got more of a business mind? No, no. It's just that I'm ahead of what the devil's doing. God made me the head, not the tail. He's the butt in the things. I already know what he's going to do. He's spiritually dead. He's not a faith devil. He's a flesh devil. So he can only tempt me in the flesh. So why would I fall for something I already know when the Bible said, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man? Or in other words, if it's not common to you, then why? He can't use it. In other words, you already, gotta know, you already know what he's going to do, so why would you fall for something you already know about? Why would you get depressed oh, because you had not seen your vision come to pass yet when you already know all that? So why would you fall? Makes sense. See, Joseph had that kind of rapport in his life. He knew God was with him. Now, he wanted out of jail. Not only did he get out of jail, he became the prime minister. And Joseph, got, Pharaoh put Joseph over everything. And if there was any trouble going on during the famine, Pharaoh don't want to hear about it. Go talk to Joseph. Joseph will take care of it. So Pharaoh's got total trust in Joseph. Do you have total trust in the person that God has put you under? I want you to think about that for a minute. See, this is vision. This dream that Pharaoh had, had an important bearing on the history of the world. So write this down if you're taking notes. When you have a vision, you begin to create. Your spirit and soul get in the sink. And from, from there, you start working with the word to formulate your future. When God told me to build this, I, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not working with the people I'm working with the word to formulate this. But I had to get my vision to start creating. In other words, I had to see it before I start doing anything with it. And then my spirit and mind and body had to get in the sink. Because you can't have the spirit trying to transform the mind and the mind trying to crucify the body to get this vision done. God the Father is not telling Jesus the Son and Jesus is not trying to tell the Holy Ghost. They're in one mind and one accord. They're in sync. So when you have a vision, you begin to create your spirit and soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, get in the sink. And from there, you start working with the word to formulate your future. So the first thing I did, I found a scripture. And they said, well, you, I said, I'm going to build this debt free. Oh, no, you can't do that. I said, but the book of Romans said, oh, no man, anything but the love. Are you a man? Yeah, then I don't owe you nothing. And we're going to pay cash for this. And they looked at me like I lost my mind. They were right. I did. I had the mind of Christ now. And so I took this vision here when I did this and I formulated it before anything was there. So my spirit and soul would get in the sink because I knew I was creating. So the first thing I did for this edifice, some people call it a campus, was I bought the artwork. If you ever know some of you drive in, you'll see Jesus washing Peter's feet, the bronzes. If you look around, they got the family thing outside. And, I, and then they have the fisher of men, which is about a 12 foot to 14 foot Jesus with a fishing net. And it's right in the middle of my ministry in the executive office. Fisher of men. See, 
And then if you go into the foyer, you have that globe, which is world evangelism. And, 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 and the, the, I'll never forget the, the contract said, my God, you, you hadn't built nothing yet. I said, can you see it? And I forget one of my pilots I had many years ago. I would drive by this land. And I'd say, stop. It'd be 2.30 in the morning. What? But I said, can you see it? He go, see what? I said, the buildings. Can you see it? You've heard me talk about it. Yeah. You hadn't been formulating, have you? You're very close to me, and yet you don't understand what God is calling me to do. So I knew he wouldn't be long with me in my vision because he wasn't working with the word to help me formulate this place. You see my point? That's how you get a vision. What do you want? And when you find out what you want, you're going to get what you want. And I've said this so many times. The reason why people are struggling with money because they don't know how much money they want. Now you can ask them, I want $10 million. You couldn't handle $10 million to save your life. You can't hardly handle $10. How are you going to handle $10 million? You really don't know what you want, so God can't give you what you want. And the Lord is your shepherd, and you shall not want. But how can you shall not if you don't know what you want? So you have to formulate this vision with this word of God, and it begins to create. Because you see, if you do not have a vision, I said this last night, you're going to die physically. He said, my people perish because lack of a vision. That's serious business. Well, I'm retired. Well, great. But not from your vision. Not from what God has called you because the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Write this down. Vision's key ingredient is forethought. So you've got to be thinking this 24-7. Vision's key ingredient is forethought. And from forethought comes divine revelation to act. Let me say it again. Vision's key ingredient is forethought. You, you, you thinking morning, noon, night. And from that forethought comes divine revelation to act. Because if you thought enough about it, now you know how to create it. You kind of know what you want. The reason why I married Kathy is because I found out what I wanted. And I dated a lot of girls, you know, just like any other teenager, boy, and all that kind of stuff. But when that time came, I had a lot of forethought about Kathy. And I never forget telling her, follow me. I said, I'm going to do something with this life. And she said, okay. She was so sweet in those days. <laughs> and she still is, but oh God, it was everything I said, she did it. It was a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I just loved it. Then years went by. She used to sit so close to me in the car, sit on seatbelt buckles. And slowly through the years, she went to the other side of the car and had the gall and the audacity to say, you don't love me like you used to. I said, look here, woman, I didn't move. I'm still in the same position. It was a blessing. But sometimes that sweetness come back on all of a sudden. Sometimes. She'll just say, Jesse, what can I do for you? 
I said, oh, God, I wish the television cameras were here. I could use this, you know. And we have a great time. You know, don't misunderstand. We have a good marriage. That's not the issue. But it, it's changed for the better. But I still like her doing everything I say. It's a wonderful thing. I have no problems with it. And sometimes she looked at me and said, I'm not that dumb, stupid girl you married 51 years ago. I said, I miss her. I liked her a lot. And Kathy said, she's dead and never coming back. I said, okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's get back to this message here. <laughs> Vision's key ingredient. This is how to be ahead of the curve. This is before the devil has any time to try to stop you from getting what you're believing for. He, you're so far ahead of him because you're spiritually alive. He's spiritually dead. Vision's key ingredient is forethought. And from forethought comes divine revelation to act. So now, once you forethought and you thought it out, now your spirit and soul is getting in the sink. Now you formulated everything with the word of God. Now revelation to act begins to flow. You know, now you know what to do. So what's next, ladies and gentlemen? So much more. You got to keep your vision moving. You got to keep your faith growing. Don't compromise and don't settle. You're just getting started. Jesse Duplantis' 2022 Visionary Conference, July 14th and 15th at JDM International Headquarters, 1973 Armand Boulevard in Destrehan, Louisiana. Admission is free. Go to JDM.org and register today. Because God wants to take your vision to a new level. I hope you're enjoying today's program concerning vision for your life. I often say dreaming is wonderful, but doing is better. That's what vision is all about. You see, that's what we're talking about this. Because light throws you a bunch of curves, man, and you got to know how to stay ahead of the curve. And I mean that sincerely. Also, I want to invite you to this year's Visionary Conference. It's Thursday, July the 14th at 7 p.m. and Friday, July the 15th at 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. right here at Jesse Planets International Headquarter Building. It's in Destrehan, Louisiana. That's a suburb of New Orleans, Louisiana. You need to come. I tell you, people from all over the world come, and it, it's powerful. I deal with vision God has given people. Not my vision. The vision that God has given the body of Christ. If you can make it, I hope you do. Partners, thank you for all you do for this ministry. Your faithful financial support has taken this ministry into 46 years and beyond without a financial deficit. That's unheard of today. But the Lord's been so good. But here's my favorite statement. The reason why it happens, I trust you. And you trust me. We both trust God. So guess what happens? The word of God gets out. Thank you, partners. And if you're not a partner, pray about becoming one. Many of you, the Lord may be speaking to you to become a partner. And I'm going to tell you something. 100% of what you give goes into world evangelism. We've been debt-free since 1982. Everything you send, world evangelism. Isn't that good? Also, for your July partnership, we have a great message for you. And I love this message. To remember is always to prosper. Listen. I want to help you discover what it truly means to prosper in every area of your life. And you can do that no matter what is going on around you. Now, how do I get this? Remember, how to, how to prosper? Go to JDM.org for all the ordering information. You'll get it there. And I mean that sincerely. Partners, once again, I can't thank you for what you do for this ministry. I tell you, me and Kathy, we pray for you daily. There's never a day go by that we do not pray for you. Now, next week, this is part one. This is part two coming next week. How to hit a curve. 
I talked about how to stay ahead of a curve. Now, how to hit a curve. Let's just say life throws you a pretty strong curveball. Well, here's come. I use it like baseball and how to hit that thing and put it out the park. I'm telling you, it will bless you. If you want to watch today's teaching in full, you can use our free JDM app or go to totaljdm.org. Well, that's pretty good. Why is it free? Let me tell you why. We used to, we used to sell it because of partnership. Because people started, more people supporting us. So me and Kathy, we sat down, we had us a little board meeting, and we said, you know what? People are blessing this ministry. Let's bless them. So we cut out. We just made it free. Thank you, partners. The word of God has gone out because of your faithful financial support. We love you. We appreciate you. Don't miss next week how to hit a curve. You understand? And God will bless you. Your vision will come to pass no matter what the devil says. They suggested a plan saying, I love you. See you next week. Bye-bye. Can you really have everything God has put on your heart? Can you ask anything in Jesus' name? Jesus says you can. Jesse's book, Your Everything Is His Anything, will revolutionize your life. Whether you have a vision, a dream, or something that your heart desires, Your Everything Is His Anything is going to inspire you to believe and achieve it all. It's time to expand your view of what prayer and faith can do in your life. Your Everything Is His Anything. Order your copy today. today are searching for meaning, purpose, peace, and authenticity. In a world bombarded by voices and information, Jesse the Planet's ministry is determined to pierce through the noise and proclaim what every heart is yearning for, the good news of Jesus. I'm going to ask you to meet my friend. That's the passion that drives us to trust God and continue to break through into new realms of the impossible. Only then are we able to reach an entire planet, one soul at a time, and help them experience the life-changing love of God for themselves. You made it! You made it! You made it! Wasn't that easy? That wasn't hard, was it? Jesus today, would you give me the honor of walking to the throne of God with you? I believe that God has placed within each one of us a deep desire to live a better life. Whether it's a life free from pain, fear, or lack of any kind, God wants to bring that to pass for you. In my book, You Are Designed for Glorious Living, you'll discover how to achieve the better life God has for you. You know, long before you took your first breath, God had designs on you for glorious living. You are designed for glorious living. Available at JDM.org. The reason why maybe your vision has not functioned 
can pe or people are saying the Spirit of God is in you? Because if it's in you, and it is, then it has to be in your vision. How can you separate you from your vision? You can't separate God from His Word. 